Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we will be covering chapters 2 and 3 of Eye of the World, Strangers and the Peddler. Enjoy. All right, so uh, welcome to episode three um, of the Wheel of Reads. Uh, we got everybody on here, right? Yes, sir. I'm here. All right. So before we start getting into anything, just wanted to kind of just, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to do that we didn't do last week uh, as much is talk more about ourselves. I know we did the initial episode, but just kind of talk about our week. I, I think it's important that uh, people get to know us a little bit better. So, uh, um, Anybody who uh, uh, knows us uh, or doesn't know us, so we did all hang out actually last weekend, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that which happens in the kitchen stays in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, right, that uh, episode will come off on a on a different podcast at a later <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a bonus content, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, but yeah, wait, so, wait, were you recording that night? Yeah, I had, I had the phone recording the entire time, so it's going to be a whole <laughs> bonus episode. <laughs> we'll have to relive that moment. <laughs> it'll it'll be a blooper reel. So I am not I am not drinking dark and stormy tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep away from that. So uh, I don't I don't want to spend too much time just talking about anything else. I kind of want to dive in. We can actually use uh, real life examples to talk more. Um, just because I don't want this to go on for hours and hours. But uh, I know last week we kind of held off on the whole maps thing. And uh, we talked about revisiting that. So before we kind of get into uh, chapter two, um, did you guys get a chance to look at those maps? Yeah, I got them in front of me. Okay. So thoughts on that. So do you guys see where Dragon Mount is? Did you guys pick that on the map? Because we talked about that last week. So it's kind of in yeah. the middle, upper right, kind of sort of. From yeah, the okay, yeah, I see it. Well, and then you see the two rivers there. Yeah, the, the river that's on the island, you know, is when the mountain rose up. Yeah. Right. So obviously, and that's called, that city is Tara Vallon. So um, obviously, probably important there. Um, also, if you just go north of that, you'll get to, you'll see the very, very top of your map, something called Shao Ghul. And they, um, you know, they, they mentioned that one as well. The dark one's bound in Shalgul. Mountains of Doom. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> just right above Mountains of Doom. You have uh, Shalgul. So that's actually yeah. a physical place on the map where the, the supposed dark one is bound. And then, of course, our two rivers, Emmons Field, is all the way on the other side of the map um, uh, next to the Almuth Plain. Um, you'll see Emmons Field there. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, so that's all the way over there. So just a little reference, and they'll get into the size of like how long things are uh, eventually and what, what a span is and what a mile is in this universe. But uh, people have actually done the math. So it's a little trivia here. And obviously, this map doesn't cover the entire continent. It covers everything from this ocean over to the left all the way to the spine of the world to the right. 
and you can assume there's stuff beyond the spine that doesn't just end at mountains. But um, um, but that one section of the map, uh, people and and have said are by done the math and figured out that this whole entire map is about the size of the United States. So mm-hmm. it kind of puts perspective in when you look at where Emmonsfield is, <clears throat> Tarvalon. Let's say Evansville was like Denver, Tarvalon would be like Indianapolis, or you know maybe a little bit further over east. So, so if you if you want to go to Canada, you have to cross the mountains of doom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's where the bounties hang out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so just kind of get, put things in perspective. Um, I know we have some international listeners. I uh, wanted to talk about that as well. Um, you know, we had some analytics come through from our first two episodes, and and we do have people listening in multiple countries, uh, mostly in the United States. We are from the United States, uh, all of us from Virginia, um, but I uh, just want to kind of get representation. And as we grow, I probably won't do this anymore, especially if we get lots and lots of different countries. Uh, but for right now, we do have listeners in Sweden, Germany, France, Australia, Canada, United States, and Brazil. Welcome so, all. We appreciate you. Yeah. Welcome. So, yeah. So um, um, they might not get the United States reference, but uh, just pull up any map and it's a pretty big country <laughs> as, <laughs> as far as distances between like, let's say Evansfield and Tarp Allen. That's a long way. That's uh, a hike. Yeah, it's a hike. So just kind of put things in perspective. So um, if you want, if you want to put an Oregon trail perspective to go across from one side to the other, uh, half the family dies of dysentery, and you lose half of your goods <laughs> in the river. <laughs> exactly. So, kind of want to go through a recap of the predictions from last week, just because it's fun to do. Um, um, I might not do this in the future as well, because obviously, if we start making longer out predictions, then Rand dies by chapter three. Um, <laughs> they'll start. They'll start to add up really fast, and. Um, I won't be able to cover all of them, but for right now, I guess the big ones, uh, Rand dies, Tam dies. Um, and then the wisdom is part of it. Uh, I think Chris made a prediction that maybe the, the woman on the white horse out front was the wisdom and that the writer only appears to young people. I think those were the big predictions <laughs> from our, from episode two. Like I said, those are more, more obviously coming up faster predictions, um, if you, if we start making predictions like by book five, uh, we're probably not going to go back and revisit those. So let's go get started in the chapter two called strangers. Uh, we'll start with the episode title and also with that symbol. Um, cause like I said, the first two chapters had the same symbol. That was the wheel of time symbol. We talked about that last time, but I want to talk about the title strangers. Obviously you guys read it. So you understand what that title comes from, but I want to talk a little bit about the symbol as well. What you guys think of that? Are we looking at the two ravens? Exactly. Uh, they look like a bunch of jerks. They have that shit-eating grin on their face, like they know something, and they're just staring at you with those big old eyes. I really like the idea of tying in the word stranger, so it just implies that in this chapter, there are going to be a number of people entering this little town that are unknowns, which is probably not something that is that happens often. So I really do like that concept. Um, and then the what interests me is kind of the, the background that was chosen for the Ravens. I'm kind of wondering why they did that white-black um, outline around them. I don't know if that's true. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. For the visual. And then, of course, you got one that's kind of looking up and one that's looking down. It's like that 
oh, I'm aware of something. And like you said, kind of like cackling, laughing, like we know more than you know type mm-hmm. deal. So right there with you on that one. So I'm going to go into a little bit of trivia. Um, obviously, I like to do the trivia. And um, obviously, we talked about this before. Robert Jordan liked to pull a lot from mythology, whether it's uh, religion. Odin. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Odin. So Odin's two <laughs> ravens. I'm going to go yep. right into that. So in North myth- Norse mythology, uh, uh, Odin had two ravens. They're Hungin and Mudin, and I might pronounce that wrong, which translates to thought and memory, where the name of the two, myth- two, two ravens. So there's a lot of speculations. Robert Jordan never directly came out and said that, but there's a lot of chapters that use the same logo over and over again. And there's speculation that it has to do with Odin's two ravens and and any chapter that has to do with memories or thoughts. Also, another thing about Odin's ravens, um, uh, the the way that uh, they're described is that they they were sent out by by Odin to view people throughout the world and bring messages back to him. So um, we'll get into that later, but it's kind of like a, a double meaning there, obviously with this chapter. Yeah. I wonder if they're like the minions of the dark one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in these symbols, there's emphasis on the eyes and they're big relative to the Raven and they're peering at you. So they're definitely watching. Oh yeah. Yeah. Into that. Yeah. So kind of just cool little fact, and I know I for a fact, uh, you know Robert Jordan does pull a lot from religion, um, multiple religions, and also uh, um, uh, mythology as well. So um, it it might be intentional, maybe we'll see as a, as the series goes on. But uh, um, yeah, you'll see how some of these symbols start to represent different people. Um, so get started, uh, you know, with the first chapter. I'll I'll start to lay out the scenes as we go along, and then. Um, I'll let you guys just kind of talk about them and figure it out. So we start this chapter right where we left off the last chapter and, and Rand and Matt are carrying these barrels um, into the wine spring end. Um, um, there's obviously a village council meeting about to start. They're all sitting around um, uh, the fire, you know, waiting on everybody else to show up to talk about whatever they need to talk about. Uh, they can't overhear what they're talking about, obviously, but um. um you know, one thing you'll notice too is that that Rand and Matt uh, get a lot of free food. Uh, um, <laughs> they just give, and, and one thing that people bring up all the time is like, you know, where's the money exchange? But at the same time, you got to think about like how much uh, barrels of of cider, um, you know, uh, Tam just brought in. Uh, I think it says it's eight barrels, and if you if the barrels are the same as they are today, that's like two hundred gallon gal- gallons of cider. So that's probably how they do their trade. <laughs> Um, that's a decent border there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let, let's let's. I want you guys to kind of talk about you know through what's going on here, and uh, obviously there's some conversation happening, and uh, I find it funny and interesting. I think it's it's important to note that in the beginning there was no conversation. There was just silence. They were smoking on their pipes and waiting impatiently for Tam and Ron to join which kind of puts an emphasis on the importance of those two individuals in the conversation. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I don't know if it's because they really do like to work together as a council or because those two individuals hold so much weight in the conversation, but I think it's just important to really emphasize that and the impatience means that there's something important going on that we as readers may not be aware of. And even the, overall community may not be as aware of because the festival happens annually so that can't be the important message that they have but that's 
my thoughts on it at least. <laughs> sure. So do you guys have any predictions that are thoughts on what they might be beating about? Well, I mean, reading through this chapter and the next, I have my thoughts on it, but I don't want to jump too far ahead right now. Um, I, you know, the impending war doesn't come up till later. So <clears throat> I honestly don't know. I'm thinking it's more or less there. Um, we have one character who's not very confident in the, the, the judgments of the women's council or the women's side of things. So I'm thinking maybe they're looking to, Kind of overthrow the the wisdom. I don't know. It's just a thought, sure. <laughs> or her judgment, her thoughts. Yeah. Well, right now, all of these guys are they're 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 staring the fear of the unknown directly in the face because they have the longest winter that any of them have ever known. I mean, at this point, they're supposed to have stuff sprouting in the fields and whatnot. Uh, and to boot, it goes against the prediction that was made last year. So everything that had worked for them in the past, like every other season they've gone through, this is nothing like that. Um, so that, that fear of the unknown, especially for older men, that's, you know, if you got 30, 40 years experience and you're sitting in these rough times, you have nothing to compare it to um, that, you know, that, that's probably weighing pretty heavy on their minds. Sure. Their food stores have got to be depleting. They're probably trying to figure out if they need to send people out to get more food if they need to just move on to a different land. There's so many thoughts that have entered my mind on this. Maybe they need to send people out questing for food and, and, and supplies, or maybe they just need to send the young away and keep it moving. Who knows? Yeah. And, and these are the council members, right? So these are the people that look for or look to for answers. So you're not just Joe blow the guy down the street who can complain and not come up with any solutions. People are expecting these guys to have the answers. And, uh, you know, I just got the impression, obviously, with them standing around silently, kind of worrisome that they don't have the answers and that that's what's weighing on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, next scene, you have Matt kick, kick ran because uh, he sees uh, a new character held Lujan. Um, come in and uh, he's obviously doesn't want to see him for obvious reasons and uh, goes into a little bit more of Matt's character uh, and uh, yeah shenanigans so um, yeah obviously Matt tried to pull a prank it kind of backfired on him <laughs> uh, flowered flowered two, two of Master Lujan's dogs and uh, tried to scare uh, the kids and uh, the dogs ran back home and and obviously, uh, I can I can just only imagine. I mean, I look back to as a kid, like if I did something like that, and, and the dogs ran to my mother's house. Uh. <laughs> I just said, "Good luck, Alan," and I'd have ran home. <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, but talk about ghost hounds. I don't know if that's something you guys picked up on. Uh, you know, is that something that's real, or is that just kind of a, a another story? You know, we hear a lot about these things that you know legends fade to fade to myth and whether or not you think ghost towns are real or are are just something else that just scare kids you know i'm already at a point in my mind where nothing would phase me <laughs> in the sense that you know maybe the ghost towns were something that were used uh prior in in, in a past time maybe the um, their significant maybe they were actual like warriors at one point that were some silent killers um or maybe they really did use animals to do their dirty work i'm not quite sure uh just a couple of thoughts that enter my mind when i hear that term because 
we just don't know anything right now. Like you said, everything's kind of a big mystery. Everything's kind of myth right now. Sure. Well, I'll say I'll say this: people I've talked to that didn't want to spoil this series for me, they've all told me pay attention to every detail, and then you might forget it for a couple of books, and then it might come back. So I didn't read into it too much, but you know, took a mental note. It might be. Hey, being the fat kid in the book or reading the book with you guys, I was more focused on the honey cake. Honey cake, true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The honey cakes sound delicious. <laughs> yeah. So uh, moving a little further into the chapter, uh, we get another character that shows up, uh, Ewan Fengar. Um, he's younger, obviously, than, than Matt and Rand. Um, it says he's 14 years old um, and doesn't. it still hasn't said how old uh, Matt and Rand are, but it does say he's younger, um, that he's 14. And uh, they ask him about the, have you seen the Black Rider? He's not, I didn't see a Black Rider, but then he says, but I did see a lady, a high-born lady and his guard. So let's talk about uh, a little bit about uh, about this. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, we meet these characters shortly, but uh, we can kind of just go right into it. Well, I'll start by saying, uh, how do we pronounce it? Ewan? Ewan? Ewan. Ewan. Kind of like Owen, Ewan. Owen, but with the E. So Ewan, yeah. All right, gotcha. So Ewan, he's annoying me right off the bat. I, <laughs> I kind of hope he doesn't stick around too long. Um but I guess I guess you need characters like that to feed you some info. Um, but yeah, he he definitely like you know we already want to know more about this Dark Rider, uh, and and what a great twist already. You know, Ewan's talking about this highborn lady that's walking around, so automatically my my interest is peaked. And uh, throughout the rest of this chapter, you kind of forget about the Dark Rider, and you're like, okay, what does this Lady Moran have for us? Uh, you know, as far as building the story. Yeah, he also mentions the the Glee Man. So we, Ewan kind of brings to light what Matt forgot. So Matt's uh, your your typical like ADHD kid in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> ship, ship because he just like he had this thought, he had this thing he needed to say, and then that just went away in his mind. So you have like the introduction of the Glee Man, you have the introduction of the Highborn Lady, and the Man in Service, which is pretty interesting. Um. But I do like how, there's a quote, it's, it just seemed like an awful coincidence. Three strangers around the village at the same time. Three, if this fellow's cloak that changed colors never changed to black. So it's like an implication that there's three, if not four, strangers yeah, we, entering we the village. Yeah, we the the dark one down, so I'm for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so... But we, yeah. So we talk about Land's cloak a little bit. I mean, you got Moraine and Land, uh, Moraine being the highborn lady, lady, and Land being uh, the servant or our man guard or whatever you want to call him. And he wears this this cloak that changes colors and it seems like he disappears sometimes. So, uh, what do you guys think about that? You know, part of me wants to think that he's some type of mystical person, like a wizard or something like that. But that's going back to my whole like Hobbit, like love of 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 uh, Gandalf and the Hobbit, and love of the the wizards in general. And even though Gandalf was you know the gray and he was kind of dull and boring, um, when you look at wizards in general from other stories, there's always an emphasis on the cloaks that they wear, be it their stature is signified by a cloak 
or the cloak itself has some form of power, then the cloak has a significant meaning. So like in my mind, I want this guy to be more than just a storyteller. I want him to be like a magician. But that's just me. Okay, so I, I kind of pictured him as uh, like your old gruff sergeant major, like a seasoned warrior type. Um, which which is kind of interesting because that type of person you wouldn't expect to find traveling around with somebody like Moran. So, um, you know, what what has happened to tie him to her? Not just tie him to her, but like he, he obviously um, either owes her some sort of debt or there is some mission that she's on that, that he believes in enough that he's dedicated himself to her, you know? My fault. I went off to the wrong character. I'm so stuck on the Glee Man. <laughs> oh, you're on the Glee Man. Oh, I'm on what? Hey. Yeah, maybe I went the wrong way. I don't know. No, we're talking about land. So Which yeah, what are we talking about? No. Yeah. Okay. No, that was yeah, it's all good. No, we. I agree with you. Like clearly, I don't know what the story is with our Miss Highborn. So she seems to have a power over men. Yes. Yeah. Like that's what I've like gathered from her through our readings. So maybe she gave something to him and now he does indeed owe her some major service. So I agree with you on that one. I, I'm interested to see the connection there. Um, you know, if she's royalty, then if there's just an expectation that she would have somebody with her, but we really don't know much about her at all, which is really fun. Yeah. And I can't pin it down with a specific quote, but just as I'm reading this, I feel like, she's there for a point and purpose, but there's a little bit of reluctance from him. Like he's not as interested in intermingling so far and getting to know people. He's not talking to the kids. He's in the shadows and just kind of watching what's going on. So I, I feel like there's a, a, a reluctantness to his presence, but at the same time, he's kind of duty bound to be with her and keep an eye on her. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, they talk about, a little bit about um you know moraine and uh and he says you know he's been asking around she's been she's been asking around the village you know how old people are um it kind of goes into that did you guys catch that i did she even like outright treated the wisdom like a child yeah called her a child. i think it says she even called her a child yeah. which made it even worse <laughs> even though she is a child we know this or we assume this based on the fact that she, her age difference isn't um, that much from our, our main characters here. But um, I just think it's awesome how there's there's no distinction in the ages, but she is so focused on it. And her her air her air is very high. Like she asked the wisdom for directions this morning and called her a child. Was was the quote. And of course, everybody else is like stunned that somebody would have the audacity to talk to the wisdom in that way. And even though she apologized to her, it still didn't change the fact that she treated her like a lesser person. <laughs> yeah, and we get into a little bit of the wisdom, Neneve's uh, temper. You know, they talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yay. We mentioned her temper when somebody did something similar. Was it um, Sinbui? Uh, Sinbui, when he called her a child before, she thumped him on the head immediately with a stick. Yeah, you know, and he was, and he's he's on the council, so she had 
she didn't hesitate in the past, you know, somebody in a position of importance to immediately retaliate, but for whatever reason, um, you know, when it's Miss Highborn comes in, uh, she just kind of takes it. I mean, you could tell she was put off by it, but she didn't lash out at her. I want to know what Moran's power is. Like, she just seems like a person, a character that has some type of hold over people in general. There's an essence about her. Sure. So at this point, they they go outside, and Matt and Rand are are, are standing outside, and and Rand feels like he's being watched. Um, he has this weird. It explains the feeling, and and I know everyone's had this feeling before, like that tingling, like someone's watching you right now. And he looks up and sees a raven, uh, just perched on like kind of like on the peak of the of the of the roof. It says on the edge of the inn's tower yeah. roof perched a large raven swinging a little in the dust wind from the mountains right yeah i love how he puts so much time into the detail of something that seems so minuscule like he could have just said there's a raven on top of the roof and called it a day (laughs) sure but this raven's not kind of a normal raven i mean uh obviously it says you know without even talking both of them immediately went down grabbed rocks and threw the rocks true I mean, so these rocks were on mark, headed right towards the raven. And the raven just casually steps aside, and they whiz past it, kind of shuffles his feathers, and just goes back to looking at them. And I don't know about you, but I've thrown rocks at birds before, and that's not how a bird normally acts. Yeah, like a, a confident sidestep, and they just keep staring at you. I would freak out a little bit. It makes me think if, like, maybe the the dark one, the one that the dark rider can, sh- uh, like, shapeshift. Oh. Or hmm. or maybe either the the ravens are his eyes or he can shapeshift. Yeah, like we were talking about creatures. with the symbols. Yeah. Yeah, like he removed himself from the road so quickly in the very beginning of the story. Like, how else would he just disappear from the road if he was there at all for everyone to see? I like it. I mean, unless it could become invisible, shapeshifting could be another option. I like it. Entirely possible. Sounds good. And then while they're staring at this raven, kind of perplexed about this whole situation, they hear a voice from behind them saying, you know, um, it's Moraine saying, you know, filthy carrion eaters or something along those lines. Uh, um, vile bird. Yeah, vile bird. That's what yeah. vile bird. Be mistrusted in the best of Yes. Time. So. Yeah. So now we get to meet. Now we get to actually meet Lady Moraine. So um, obviously, there's a lot of description here about her, and uh, uh, you know, she's it goes into how she's dressed and how beautiful she is, and she has an ageless face, and they can't really put an age. Uh, she looks like she was young, but but way too wise, and, and it looks like she might be old too, but just couldn't quite pic- picture it. So um, you know, just kind of go through that description. What are your What are your first impressions when you get the description of other. my type of woman <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i pictured her as as attractive uh but it, it um we might get into this later but i have a healthy distrust of women at this point in my life and like you know when she spoke to the wisdom earlier she talked down to her but when she spoke to these boys immediately she was trying to connect with them on on their level, they wanted to say Lady Moran. And she was like, no, 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 just call me Moran. You know, uh, doesn't want to seem above them. Whereas, you know, in her previous engagement, she had no problem uh, sitting above above the wisdom chick when, when she was talking to her. So, 
in my mind, that, that puts her up to no good. Excuse me. I love how it says, she held herself with a grace and an air of command that made him feel awkward and stumble-footed. Like, literally, her very presence makes him feel uncomfortable with himself. Like, he's dependent on his ability to compare to her to define him. Yeah. And that kind of shows her real power over the people around her, at least the men around her so far, is they're trying to make themselves fit or work around her. Sure, sure, sure. Of course, we've all had uh, experiences with the, the certain woman that walks in the room and we forget how to talk and don't know which way <laughs> is up and, you know, trip over something. And yeah, we've all done that. Sure. Did you guys catch, uh, they mentioned the ring she's wearing? Yeah, it was the, the infinity did. ring, right? With the with the snake? Yep. This is on the second finger of her left hand was a gold ring in the shape of a serpent biting its own tail. Yeah. So you guys remember where that might come from? Do you guys think it means something? Or, uh, no, obviously, knowing the symbol that we talked about last chapter, our last episode, uh, what do you guys think about that? Does that mean anything to you guys? Well, yeah. Well, it, maybe she's part of some order that has maintained some sort of knowledge of this uh, entire wheel of time or the ages and whatnot. So um, I don't know if it certainly if it gives her any any power, but maybe she's part of a group that just knows a little bit more than they're letting on so far. Sure. I mean, they say it the, the, the recognizes the great serpent as even older symbol for eternity than the wheel of time. So it just symbolizes the fact that the wheel and time and the great serpent are actually two distinct marks, one coming after the other. Oh. So I guess whatever chasm has occurred um, was where the creation of the wheel of time came from. So like at maybe one point in time, you know, they thought of time as that serpent where it kind of looped for infinity and it continued to go and there's no beginning and no end. But now we have this wheel of time where they've kind of brought back this idea that, you know, time is and was, but maybe never was, but always has been. So like a wheel implies that there's a spinning, like some repetition, everything is cyclical, like it's repetition. But then the serpent kind of establishes that there's just an eternity and there's no beginning and no end. So maybe that was like what happened when time was broken because I know this concept has been brought up once or twice. So Sure. Just, <laughs> I right. could be reading way too far into this. But. Scratch my answer <laughs> and then double his. I, I like his answer better. That was, that was good. Sure. Yeah, so um, just breaking it a little bit again with some uh, – some other trivia. So if anyone's ever listened to the audiobook version of, uh, of Eye of the World, um, at the very end, they actually do a quick interview with Robert Jordan. It's actually included in the audiobook about Eye of the World. And one of the questions that the, that the, um, that the people ask up in the interview is, did you come up with this whole idea of the Wheel of Time? And he immediately said, no, it's an ancient Hindu um, mythology. Um, so obviously, he, like I just wanted to kind of put that in there as well. That uh, he just borrowed that, obviously from Hinduism. Uh, that 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 part of the myth mythology of Hinduism is this idea of a wheel of time. So kind of cool. This 
you know, obviously that religion believes in a, a recarnation and, and, and a recycling of time. <laughs> good trivia. Yeah, fun trivia facts. Um, so let's move to the next scene. So she goes to address both Rand and Matt and you and sit in there as well. And, uh, and, and she gives them coins. So, um, uh, you know, she, she, uh, it's very particular about how she hands the coins to them. She puts her hands around them and says, uh, this is now a bond between us and, um, and hands them these, these thick coins that have an image on them, um, gives you and a coin as well. Um, but let's talk about the scene. What's your guys thoughts are around it. All right. So I'll tell you, uh, we, we talked a little bit before we started recording and I thought this would be, I felt this was the most important part of the chapter, maybe of the book so far. And the first time I read it, it didn't click. I read through it again and I started thinking about, um, was it uh, from Chronicles of Narnia, the white witch and the Turkish delights? Cause at first oh, I'm yeah. thinking, Oh, she just gave them a coin. That's cool. Like they're going to, they're going to owe her something in service kind of worthy of that coin. But you made that point uh, the way she gave it to him. Like it was very ceremonial or maybe magical, or maybe there was some sort of spell or there, there's something that binds them more than just, Oh, here, here's some money to do some work for me. And, you know, you said she gave a coin to you and as well, but she tossed him the coin. Like it just says she gave him one as well, but she was very particular in how she handed it to Rand and how she handed it to Matt. And then not long after that, when she leaves and they're talking about it, both Rand and Matt are like, okay, we can't spend this. This is special. I have to hold on to it. And they're already, they're already clinging to it. Whereas you in the way he got it, he's already thinking about spending it, you know? So mm-hmm. she's, she's, she's suckering them in there. Yeah. She did. And she even, she made it a point. She said, you cannot be expected to work for nothing. Consider this a token and keep it with you. So you will remember that you have agreed to come to me when I ask it. There is a bond between us. So she's implying already that I don't need you now, but there's going to be a moment where I'm going to need you and you're obligated now. Mm-hmm. Part of me wants to go to 7-Eleven, buy a coffee and a donut, and when I hand them the money, just lean in and tell them there is a bond between us now. Like that's <laughs> that's a little bit more of a transaction than I think these boys are expecting. They're, they're they're thinking I might have to like help her load her bags or something, but uh, there's a lot more to it than that. I also think it's really interesting. Um, you know, they are they're asking questions. Um, this is Rand, of course. He seems to be the inquisitive one. I don't want to be rude, but I need to know what's the deal. Why are you here? What's going on? And she just states that she's a student of history, a collector of old stories. And this place you call Two Rivers has always interested me. Yeah. And their reaction, their, so, uh, and then, uh, yeah, their reactions is like, nothing ever happens here. What, 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 what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And what else would you call it besides the Two Rivers? Like they're clueless that there's more history here or more future, or whatever. My favorite, as the wheel of time turns, half, uh, Moraine said, half to herself with a distant look in her eyes, which shows that she's really thinking beyond the moment, maybe in the past, maybe towards the future. Places wear many names, men wear many names, many faces, different faces, but always the same man. Yet no one knows the great pattern the wheel weaves or even the pattern of an age 
we can only watch and study and hope. Yeah. Oh. She's looking she's looking for the one. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh you know they also talk about uh land in the same uh, uh sense uh land being uh, and they're kind of guessing what he might be and they mention something called a warder and maybe he's a warder and they're like no warders don't exist or they're, they're they have a bunch of gold or they're covered in gold and gems and and they they spend most of their time in the great blight and hunting trollocs are uh and, and those are two new things that are new that we haven't heard before about this thing called the great blight and what are trollocs um so well before we even go that far just I, just because i'm so caught on her i want to also make a point they hadn't even recognized that he was there because they were so caught up in her mesmerizing <laughs> exactly <Enchanted. laughs> Turkish delight. Yep. <laughs> Turkish delights. <laughs> yep. Got him. So it says a warder has swords and armor covered in gold and jewels and spend their time up north in the Great Blight fighting evil and trollocs and such. So they're almost like protectors of the realm. Right. It's like he can't be a he can't be a warder. He doesn't have all this fancy armor and, and they're not why would they come to two rivers anyway? You know, the fight's up there, it's not here. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and if you look back at that map, you know that we talked about the blights listed on the map. Um, it, it, you know, it's 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 an area um, up to the north. Um, and now I got to flip back as we're talking. Yeah. It's okay, <laughs> but it's right above the It says the blight. Yeah. 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 So it's actual physical area on the map. So, yeah, and um, so I guess we're coming to kind of the end of this chapter. So at the very end, this, this peddler comes down with this wagon. He shows up, and I think it's, I think it's you, and it says, it's going to be the best bill time ever. One of them says that. So um, obviously it might be foreshadowing. <laughs> just just <jinxed> it. <laughs> You know, I, I picture one of those, like, 90s TV shows, like, where it's definitely, like, not going to be the best. <laughs> but, you know. No, ever. no. <laughs> Well, I just want to make a point too. Rand was the first one and the only one to ask, "What kind of chores does she have?" Yeah, right. yeah. Well, he still doesn't, doesn't comprehend clear. the severity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Matt doesn't care. Right. So Rand, yeah, Rand so, uh, uh, peddler... keep tingling. Uh, you got to give him credit for that. He's he he feels the guy on the road. He feels the the presence of the raven. He's questioning things. He's yeah. We've got a feel for this stuff. You what? He was my lesser character in the very beginning. Now I'm starting to gain a little bit of, of like for him, so he'll probably die soon. <laughs> anyway, the peddler, the peddler had come at last. Strangers and glee men, fireworks and a peddler. It was going to be the best time ever. So that's where that chapter ends. Yep, so that's the end of chapter two. Um, I guess uh, we'll continue with chapter three. So, All right, so moving on to chapter three, the peddler. Um, so just like uh, the last chapter, whenever it's a new chapter, you get a new symbol. Um, so I want to talk about these symbols each time. So uh, obviously the last couple of symbols we had was the Wheel of Time symbol with the Ravens. Now we have this new symbol, and I'm not going to give away what it is, but it's definitely different than anything else. And there's probably no no description that you guys know what this is at this point. Uh, we will figure out what this is, but I just wanted to see what your thoughts are around this symbol and and, and kind of go from there. Confusing as hell. <laughs> um, go ahead, Ian. What did you think? 
Uh, I was going to say, it, it could be a few things. You know, first I just glanced at it and, you know, thought it was some sort of horn of sorts. But uh, I don't know. It's a little bit too pointed at the end. So now I'm thinking maybe a, a stinger of sorts, like a bee stinger or wasp stinger or something like that. I don't know what okay. that would represent, but yeah. That's good. I almost thought maybe like a dragon's claw. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Like in my mind, because I know we, as we get into the chapter, we start talking about the dragon and this kind of looks like it could be one of the claws. Um, what confuses me, there's always these interesting backgrounds and they're always like some type of geometric shape. Um, I don't know if they have any significance at all. Um, but they also always have that counter of like black and white. You know, I, I know it's a book, but still, I don't know if there's any significance to it. Um, so yeah, Dragon's Claw is going to be my, my best guess. So if you go with Dragon's Claw and then it's sitting on top of what could be like a castle pillar or something, have we had a description of what the dragon banner looks like? Could that be it? It could be. Um, huh. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they talk about it that they raised the banner, but I don't think there was a description of it. Sure. So maybe. Oh. Yeah. Maybe we're looking at. Sure. Yeah, and and we'll probably retouch. Like I said, they reuse symbols all the time. So obviously, future chapters we'll talk about the symbol again, and and maybe we'll have more context then. But obviously, first time reading through, probably have no idea what this means. Um, it probably have more stiff. A uh, little minor spoiler again. It probably have more significance for you later. Um. But uh, moving into go ahead. So I'm looking at eyebrow. I'm kidding. Yeah, (laughs) giant eyelash. I could not unsee that now. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. So first thing we have in this chapter is uh, first thing we have in this chapter is uh, Padden Fane, new character again. He's the peddler. He's coming in. So um, um, what's your thoughts? You know, you get this description of him, um, beak nosed. you know, uh, kind of a skinny guy, and he, and he uh, struts around like a undersized chicken or something like that. They they say, and uh, I just want to get your thoughts on 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 this on this character. I think if he was a regular in this community, the way they describe him, uh, he would probably be extremely annoying, and nobody would care about him. But since he is the peddler and he's coming in from out of town, uh, it's not just the goods that he brings, but it's the news and it's the information he has and and really just any discussion that's new and fresh that makes him popular. And he knows it. And he, and he kind of has that, that odd grin and, and uh, kind of a nudge and a wink when he's talking to folks. And he, he knows he gets his popularity from the information he brings. It, um, it brings like two images to my mind. The first image is like the playing card, the Joker. You know, like the old school deck of cards, the Joker character on a deck of cards. Sure. Kind of brings that image to my mind. And the second is kind of like that, I don't know how to be politically correct in this statement, but you're a feminine male that kind of just like hides behind his hand and has all the information in the world, but withholds until he feels like he wants to give it. Like kind of almost like the spider from uh, Game of Thrones, yeah, uh, various or whatever. Perfect. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that makes you think, though, when you have a person like that, and and we all probably know someone like that, kind of the gossip queen, gossip king. 
uh, you can't always trust what they're saying because they enjoy holding that power of that sharing that knowledge that sometimes they embellish, uh, you know, just to keep you on the hook. So, yeah, we're going to get info from them, but how much can you trust it? Who knows? Yes, as Fane, however, spoke freely of often teasingly and spun out the telling, making a show to rival a gleeman. So, like, everybody knows he's a yeah, he's got something to say, but he's very much a character. So, sure, and the, the village obviously knows this guy. It's not the first time he's been here. You know, they they talk about how he's been here before and the way he talks. So, it's this is not someone that's just happened to wander onto this village. It's someone. It's the peddler that comes. You know, if uh, if not multiple times a year, at least once a year, um, to to sell goods. I just enjoys being the center of attention, strutting around like an undersized rooster. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and and then and then also we get the first mention of, of another character called Perrin. Um, you know, they, they mention him briefly. He shows up as well. Um, um he's the blacksmith apprentice. Um and he's kind of moving to the obviously a bigger guy. Um uh, I, you know, in modern times we don't have that many blacksmiths anymore but you know every, all of us have have read or seen um uh, tales of of medieval times and blacksmith and obviously they're bigger guys uh because they're dealing with a forge all day long and hammering steel um so uh, what's your thoughts about Perrin? he's a gentle giant yeah yeah <laughs> I think I would identify very much with this character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So um, another thing is, says, uh, you know, Fane just recognized Rand as a man last year. So Rand's obviously, uh, uh, you know, looking for this guy's, uh, you know, approval, which is interesting as well. I thought, um, you know, that that's very obvious that, that, that mentioned that, that, you know, just last year he finally recognized me as a man, so I'm hoping I'll screw this up. And of course, as soon as Fane's about to start his story, you know, the whole crowd hushes and and, and Rand's yelling, you know, at, at his friends because he's trying to talk over. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of like it's it's funny. This guy doesn't come very often, and the way he's described, it's not anybody you think you would care about their opinion. Uh, but because he was so particular and only actually holding conversation with people of significance and actual men, that was a bit of a rite to passage for Rand last year when he got recognized. It's like, oh, somebody else sees me as a man now. Um, but yeah, that's hilarious. I'm like the king of this. It, there could be a room full of people talking, and I'm talking just as loud, if not louder. And that's when there's just that random moment where it gets quiet, and I say the most absurd thing for everybody to hear. So we've, we've all done it, but I do it quite often. I, I, I blushed and got embarrassed for him when I read this because I know exactly how it feels. Sure. So then we get right into uh, Fane's story of like what's going on the outside. They want news from the outside, and he starts bringing stories to the outside. You know, there's winter and wolves everywhere, and, and wolves are killing, you know, sheep and men. And he says, but there's worse out there. And the whole village gasps like, I think one guy yells out, what could be worse than wolves killing sheep and men? And it's like men killing men. Uh, so obviously this is a big deal. Um, the whole village is freaking out right now. So um, talk a little bit about that and, and obviously what he's talking about. Well, I think we kind of breezed over one point when he arrives 
we have the entirety of the um <clears throat> the group that was indoors in the beginning excuse me the council the village council they all appeared right so even they are hung on his words right so they're there and it, again it might be just because of oversight like they know he's going to tell a story they have to be aware of what he's going to say because everybody's hung up on his words um so i just i want to make that noted just because i think that's very important because if he was a character that came with lesser information then the council wouldn't give him the attention so even though he is the showboat he's got a lot of vital information yeah definitely and uh, you know the the idea of war is kind of what he's bringing to two rivers which i'm sure for those people they don't think war will reach them but then we've got these strangers from the last chapter coming in who are characters that this town has never seen and then you have talk of war so it kind of in my mind foreshadows bigger things coming if not for the two rivers and the people in the two rivers or a few of the people. Yeah. Th so this idea of war is not what they were expecting at all. I mean, earlier when I talked about, you know, possibly the reason for the council's silence is uh, the fear of the unknown. And, you know, they come out also to hear from this guy because they're going to get answers, at least uh, some idea of what's going on in other places, but maybe they were hoping for, some good news that spring is starting to show signs somewhere else, but they get the exact opposite. And when he mentions war, uh, I got to read this one part because it's deep in just a couple of lines. Uh, he says, war, question mark. Master Alvere's mouth fit awkwardly around the unfamiliar word. No one in the two rivers had ever had anything to do with war. And then he says, why are they having a war? So it was awkward even to say the word, like it just totally caught him off guard. Uh, no one there ever had anything to do with it. And when he says, why are they having more? It's already like, okay, that's there. It's happening there. There's no way this affects us and we're not part of it yet. So again, we, we always talking about foreshadowing, but yeah, I, I think it's coming. Sure. And it, it talks about the region that, that this, this war is being fought in. They said the standard of the dragon has been raised in Giladine. Um, and if you go back, like I said, once again, go back to the map, uh, We'll be yeah. referring to the map for a while. But if you can see where Gilladine is, if you just go to Emmons Field and just go a little bit south, you'll see, uh, uh, I think it's a, a Jinana, and then right below it, that's the nation of Gilladine. So it's not that far from where they are. Um, if you, I mean, obviously they're, they're isolated, but in a grand scheme of this entire map, it's pretty close by. Yeah, that's like what? Northern okay. California down to New Mexico, if if we're still using, sure, yeah, maybe less than that, right? So that, I mean, they're also freaking out about this 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 dragon character. Um, you know, well, yeah, I was gonna say they stated the dragon Simone, the dark one is loose and uh, guillotine. Or is that how you pronounce yeah. it? I'm horrible. No, with it's, it's all right. We're gonna we're gonna butcher pronunciations. I probably pronounced some of these words wrong. Uh, the way I've heard is, is, is Gilladin or Gilladin, um, but say it however you want. It's like I said, and uh, even the audiobook technically pronounces some things wrong. So um, people get audited about pronunciations. But the way I always think of things like this is like when you're reading it, obviously a lot of people aren't there to correct you. So it's whatever's in your head. It's fine. Uh, 
Well, and then I love there's that distinction, not the dark one, the dragon. The dragon is not the dark one. And this is a false dragon anyway. So right away, people are like, they're making a distinction between the dark one and the dragon. And then they just go right into, this is another ruse. It'll pass. Like, that's the thought. Sure. And we talked about the dragon here last time, the prologue. You know, Luce Theron was the dragon and obviously died. But there's the prophecy that the dragon will rather win times again. So there's prophecies that uh, he will come back. So, you know, obviously the whole world is waiting for his return. You know, obviously there's some religious connotations there, whether you want to go Christianity and the return of, of Jesus and things like that. There's obviously this longing or waiting. It's not quite the same as Jesus where people are rejoicing for his return. The, this is a little bit more of, yeah, he's coming back, but we don't really want him to come back. So yeah. he, he's yeah. just as bad as the dark one. Uh, and they say, you know, the prophecies when the dragon is reborn, your worst nightmares will seem like your fondest dreams. So, Yes, maybe he does ultimately, you know, redeem everybody and save the day. Uh, but the process, when he does show up, at least by the prophecies and what they're saying, it, it's going to be pretty miserable for a while. Right. So do you guys think this is the real dragon? <sighs> I think that he's probably still another false dragon, but the real dragon or the dark one has returned. Like I keep going back to this this figure that has shown up and now disappeared multiple times to multiple people. You know, it. I feel like the dark one's more likely to come back before the dragon. Um, but me knowing nothing about the book beyond what we read so far it could be completely off. Right. And if I, if I weigh in, just how evil in general works. Um, in in most religions and whatnot you know they they feed off of deception and lies and it seems to me like there's been these false dragons before and the false dragons i would say are probably more inspired by the dark one because the more you have them try and fail and try and fail by the time the real one comes along uh it's like the boy who cried wolf people aren't going to believe in it people are less likely to follow them people are going to doubt them more so it's probably still a false one at this point. And, uh, you know, like I said, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say that's more inspired by the dark one to, to try and take the wind out of the future dragon sails. Sure. And, and they even ask Pat on sit is like, is this the real dragon? They even ask him and he says, I don't know, but he can't, from what I've heard, he can wield the one power he can channel. And they, and they kind of give you this whole entire insight that, well, well, if men, Men go mad. Only women can touch the power. Uh, you know, they talk about that. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, they talk about that. Only women can actually can wield power. If men try to touch the power, they go crazy. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys caught that. I know I definitely did. Um, I think it's just interesting how the council jumps in kind of right away it's like they all look stunned matt looked excited but tam his face was less composed than usual and he drew the mayor close so like there's this even tam the great right. <laughs> is a little disturbed by what's going on sure and they said uh so i'm going to tell you how to pronounce this they talk about um it's a e s sadai and that's pronounced eyes like eyeball eyes sadai that's how it's pronounced. 
Um, and there is a pronunciation of that in the glossary. So that's the correct pronunciation of those. And they said they're, they're riding south from Tarvala. And we talked about that at the beginning of our episode. That's that yeah. place next to Dragon Mount. Um, so obviously uh, he's Aes Sedai are riding south because he can wield the power. So uh, we get their first introduction to what Aes Sedai are. And they start, some people start saying, well, you know, Aes Sedai broke the world. And, you know, and who are the Aes Sedai? You know, what's, what, what, is, what is this? <laughs> Yeah, and they're the only ones who can defeat him. So, you know, that, that would lend you to put more credit to it. All right, if they're on the movement, then maybe this is the real dragon and got to take it more serious. So, um, you know, when you mentioned the, the council was, you know, they talked amongst themselves and, and decided to grab this guy and pull him inside for a little private conversation. You got to kind of, in your mind, uh, do a little timeline of how quickly this plays out. Like, yeah, we have a couple pages of people shouting their questions and description and whatnot, but all of this probably happened really fast. So I would say from the time the word war was mentioned, you, you got to believe Tam probably thought about it for a second, turned and whispered to the mayor, this, that, and the other, and they made the decision be like, all right, this is going to get out of control just doing a Q&A with everybody in the village here. We need to pull this guy in and get some real answers because that, that's a big deal to be bringing up. So it probably happened really quick. And then the eyes should die. They're clearly like, women of course and they've got to be some type of sect maybe a holy sect maybe holy a warrior women um because there's that mention of uh is it even how he talks about the women and how they uh, men will of course when channeling the power go mad only women can touch it of course that right away caused uh sin to get upset with him and then he, they they make mention you know what kind of women he's talking about so I, i'm interested to see maybe there's like these warrior women and how beautiful they are sure. <laughs> it, it does mention there's been other false dragons before it says what's the difference does it make you remember the last false dragon he started a war too thousands died um you know they they, they, they obviously it's not the first time this has happened um, and then he says, you know, and then the very next line, evil times, no one's claiming the dragon reborn for 20 years. Now there's three in the last five years, evil times, look at the weather. So Sin is obviously, uh, uh, shouting out about all this, uh, very, very upset about it. And of course the marriage and cuts him off and says, you know, you're a fool. Just be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they get into, you know, all these rumors about, uh, you hear also, they mentioned the children of the light. I don't know if you caught that. They talk about. You know, they they mentioned that. I don't know if you have any thoughts about who those people might be. Well, you know, for me, that was one of those things that was kind of briefly breezed over, so I didn't really pay much attention to it. But sure, and it might be something we get into later a lot more. But just I, I, it's the first mention of of a different group. Um, you know, they mentioned the age of legends. So you know, we talk about these different ages and another breaking. Um, and then you know, one of the things they said is the Aes Sedai are dark ones, are are their dark friends. And they serve the dark one. Um, you know, that's uh, something else that, so, it, it, you know, if there's this, this, if this is a dragon and they think that these Aes Sedai folks or whatever that live in Tar Valen or whatever are evil, is this a good thing? I mean, what, what's, you know, from their perspective, this little tiny remote village, like, 
obviously they have a lot of mixed emotions on what's going on. And then someone corrects them and says, no, they're not, they're not dark friends. No, they are dark friends. Um, and that's the first mention of this thing called dark friends, uh, which is, uh, I don't think it's given too much away. It's obviously people that are in line with the, with the dark one. Um, yeah. So, and, and Conger, uh, I think it was Billy Conger, he said, I said, I don't even exist. It's just stories. Um, and, and Matt gets into it after everybody comes to Spurs. He's like, you know, would Conger even name the dark one one time? <laughs> <laughs> It, it's kind of one of those things where it feels like the world or these people are trapped in between two factions. It's almost like they're not quite sure at this point, and there may be no good or evil, right or wrong. It's just two factions looking to control, and they, they call themselves differently based on their beliefs, you know? Sure. Yeah, and in this in this little in this little town here, you got to remember up until recently, all of these stories uh, and prophecies and everything they were just that they were stories that they probably told around the fire. Sometimes maybe someone told it to sound a little bit more scary and spook the people they were with. And maybe five ten years ago, as these stories were being told, or the last couple generations, nobody actually thought they were true. They were just myths, and it was for entertainment. But now they're starting to see it unfold. And you have a mix of there's some there's always some truth hidden in, in mythology, right? Uh, but then we have the embellishments that's been added over time for the entertainment purpose. So they they don't know, you know, who the good guy truly is, who the bad guy really is, and and they're trying to stick through that right now. Or at least we're hearing it as they're shouting at each other. Yeah, they even talk about uh, it said as well. Ask for help from the dark one. Said he didn't say. Matt replied uncomfortably. We're talking about. Um, just Rand musing and he said and he didn't mention any new age of legend he said the world would be torn apart by the dragons coming surely that uh, that would surely save his parents said dryly another breaking like they don't honestly they don't want to see either one of these individuals come back into the world yeah. they would just rather these things remain in legend stay as legend and they can continue to live their lives because they're coming up on a very important part of their life, which is opportunity for marriage. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at some point, you know, the mayor, um, um, Master, Master Elvier, uh, kind of steps in, tells everybody, all right, this is enough. You know, you guys are just uh, patting, you're just patting fame, you're just rallying up the crowd. Let's just stop this. Let's move inside. The village council will talk to you. Then we'll kind of you know, relay all the information back to the people. We don't need all this this commotion. And, and then it kind of cuts to a scene where where they get hustled away, and then you know, kind of random matter just impaired or just left outside. And they start telling stories about you know I, I mentioned it already, but talking stories about about the dark one and uh, how Conger named the dark one. And then we get to finally meet um, uh, Nineveh and Egwene. Um, they, they, they're, they kind of bust in kind of late and, um, and, uh, and also you get the first bit of cussing. So, uh, you know, the way they cuss in this book, uh, is different than the way we cuss. So like, I think Matt's just blooded ashes. So you'll see that throughout the entire book. They, they, they use all these different, Robert Jordan uses like different words, but that's like their version of, and, you know, Ivy is like, watch your tongue. You know, it's, you wouldn't think of blooded ashes is a bad thing in our language, but in their language, that's like a curse. So. I just thought that was funny as well. But we get into the wisdom and, and, and Egwene's description. So I kind of want to start there um, or, or go there. 
Uh, what do you guys' thoughts are, are meeting those the, the two girls um, that we've heard of before, the Wisdom and and Egwene, uh, Egwene who, uh, who who ran obviously fancies. Um, what, what do you guys think? I know the Wisdom is 0 for 2 on some pretty important stuff. They got the prediction about uh, spring wrong, and you would think they would have had some sort of inkling about war if that's what's going on, and clueless. So that's two big whiffs. Sure. Her description is like the wisdom seemed taller than any other at the moment, but she clearly wasn't taller. Um, and it did not matter that she was young and pretty. Literally, her attitude kind of overpowers her actual physical beauty. So she's kind of like that know it all, kind of like the Hermione Granger of the group. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in a context that I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that fit. That fit. fits. Yeah. And you get a queen as well. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously, uh, um, you know, uh, Rand and Egwene kind of break aside and have like a little private conversation between the two of them. And, and, um, and Queen talks about how, how, uh, Nanive has been training her to become wisdom as well. And it's this, but what, <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, that reaction that Rand's obviously just like completely taken up, taken aback by all that. Yeah. I just love the whole, like the description that she, Egwene gave him an intent look with her eyes as wide as they would go, as if every last ounce of her attention was on him. He just could not seem to make the words go where he wanted. So it really kind of, in my mind, contextualizes that they are still boys or younger men. So they've got to be in that like 14 to 16 age range. Because they're still at that physical maturity they've got, but the mental maturity they don't. And it makes the girls, even when they're a little bit younger, seem so much older than they are. Yeah. Because developmentally, they're not in the same mental place. Sure. And then they get a tongue lashing. Perhaps you can tell me why you were talking about something that even you three great bull calves ought to have enough to keep out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you get some inner dialogue with, uh, with, with Rand when Rand's like, you know, parents always good at talking to girls. I wish parents would stick around or something like that. You know, like that, uh, this becomes an ongoing joke throughout the entire books, like where they're always like, that person's better at talking to girls or that person's better uh, and that just reminds me, I mean, a lot of people kind of pick on that, but, you know, I mean, obviously you think back to high school years, you always thought your friends were better uh, and they probably thought you were better. You know, it's just like, it's a very, very realism, I think, uh, concept of how young, young boys think when they first start, you know, get interested in girls and things like that. And they think that, uh, you know, I wish I was like, blah, 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 because they're so smooth and suave. And, the, and that person's actually thinking the same thing too. Um, yeah, no one just as nervous. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Rand, Rand's kind of a jerk in this situation too. I mean, he's, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, kind of. You know, Egwene has these, uh, Egwene has these like aspirations to do something more with her life, and, and Rand's like, "What? Leave the leave the two rivers? You can't do that." And uh, she's like, "Maybe I want to see the world. Like, maybe I'm weird too. Like, leave me alone." <laughs> oh, that there's so many levels to that statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
there like when I read that, I read it from the lens of like she wants him to commit to them or else she's going to be out. So she's trying to get him to commit to a decision mm-hmm. for her. And she's like, you know, I have this option that's being presented to me by the wisdom to become a wisdom because you don't really, you've never really seen me as a woman. Like the fact that he didn't rec- realize that she had her hair braided until like she made it known. Like these are all big things for him to really pay attention to, big signs. But in his mind, it's still too soon and it's too early. He even makes that point, like kind of moving forward, like they're literally having a conversation. And she right away, like everything's Matt's fault. Like you shouldn't let Matt get you mixed up in foolishness. She's giggling at him. She clearly has a thing for him. Um, And then as this conversation progresses, he becomes the jerk. Sure. (laughs) But just because someone is old enough to marry doesn't mean they should. Not right now. And then she's like, of course not. Forever, for that matter. So like, and he's completely taken back by it, but he's not going to commit to it right now. So. Yeah. Like he said, becoming the jerk. Wisdom, he hooted. Yeah. He failed to notice the dangerous glint in her eye. So he, she was testing him. He didn't pick up on it, um, much like any other guy that's in that moment. <laughs> and so he failed that test. Sure. So um, um, also after uh, Randy and Quain's kind of um, uh, interactions, you find out that Mairead also had met with Perrin uh, and given him a coin too. Uh, did you guys? Yeah, uh, and and rare, and Parent had also seen the writer. So, did you guys catch that and have any thoughts about? It still goes back to this whole idea that like these three young men were being kind of competed for, were being looked at or judged, or you got this dark writer that's kind of stalking them a little bit, and then you've got Marine who's coming like you are now committed to my service. Sure. So what is their significance is really the question. Like, these are just three country boys, essentially. Like, what is really their significance to the story? Um, do they remain significant? Or is it really the act of them getting the coin? Like, is this a battle between Moraine and this this dark one and not necessarily involving these three boys? Like you know, with this type of book, these three characters could be dead by book two. So are they, are they all important to the big story? Is she going to bring them all along or is she still looking to single out one of these guys? And there's, there's more tests or more discovery to come pretty soon. You know, we'll find out. Yeah. Why do you think Moraine's trying to single out these guys? I mean, what what do you think Moraine's, I mean, she says she's looking for collections stories but what do you think her real intentions are do you guys have predictions for that oh she's recruiting she's on a mission um, oh yeah and and it's certainly much bigger than than just here in this town or, or maybe you know you started talking about it chris but um maybe is she she's just preparing for a local battle uh between whoever this dark rider is she might know more about it and uh she's she's bringing these guys along these young guys along to battle them or be involved in something yeah. she's got her huntsman 
She's got her city boy. Yep. She's got her um her blacksmith who's just her 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 ox. Yeah, he's the muscle. Yep, she's got her protector. Like she's building her fellowship. There you go. You got the brains, the brawn. So you got the brains that's Rand. You got the brawn that's Perrin. You got the wild card bitches. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's always it. it's always sunny Philadelphia reference. That's not exactly. spoiler spoiler. I, I, I cut yeah. the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's by far my most favorite episode. Yeah. Um, yeah so you know, at, at this point, you know, Egwene starts to kind of bust in. You know, like what's this about Dark Rider? But as soon as she starts to ask about that, the 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 Glee man comes stumbling out of the out of the tavern, and that kind of ends the chapter. That the gleaming coming out, and, um, and yeah, so uh, obviously next time we get to meet the clean man. So, um, any other thoughts about you know uh, we're kind of coming to the end of this chapter? So, any thoughts overall about these two chapters, or anything else you guys want to add or talk about? I think we've un- unpacked a lot of mystery. I'm just ready for some answers. Sure. <laughs> I think uh, I don't know. It's good that Chris and I don't talk to each other beforehand because then you're getting like raw responses uh, from both of us. But at the same time, like I I, I tailed off at the end there because Chris put a a perspective on a couple of things that made me look at it completely different. And I'm not going to lie. I got quiet there towards the end because I was rereading the last three pages. Like because of something you said, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't think of that. That totally changes what all of this can mean. So I'm already rereading this chapter again. So maybe we need to uh, hit each other up like the day before and bounce some thoughts <laughs> off of each other. Sure. But also that raw perspective that, that, that also I think adds to this podcast that makes it different than anything else is that, you know, Agreed. because you guys haven't shared theories, it kind of uh, doesn't make it as, as staged or planned. It's just kind of like, this is what my perspective is. This is what my perspective is. And it allows for that natural conversation that took her. So kind of, kind of a fun way of going about it. Yeah, I kind of like it that way, but that because you've had me go back, I've gone back and reread, and I've looked at some of my highlighted because I do highlight in the uh, the book here and there. I'm like, maybe this is not as important as this because you made a statement where I'm like, well, I didn't like I didn't realize that she just tossed the coin to to the one guy yeah. who has now lost, yeah, he's lost a little less significant. Yeah, yeah, I've even his name yeah you win uh but yeah even annoying dude yeah the the annoying guy um but even the way like they talk about the coins like obviously they're they're kind of like i don't want to spend this both matt and rand and and when you it's like well should i spend my coin they're like oh yeah definitely definitely go spend yours yours is not right so obviously yeah, so obviously that's just a little little nod to the difference between the the, re- the actions there, but yeah. So uh, I think that does it about for this episode. Unless you guys have anything else, uh, going to kind of wrap it up. Um, you guys can always find us. Uh, we are um, on social media in a lot of different places. Um, uh, I like our Facebook action we've had in the last two days. We finally got that up and going. That's at the real wheel at the wheel reads. Um, on Facebook, we, we've gotten a whole lot of likes on that. Uh, uh, would love interactions there. We're also Instagram, not so active there because I don't really know how to add pictures about this yet. You know, just take pictures of books. Uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, but then also on Twitter as well. We are, I'm, I'm constantly uh, uh, retweeting and uh, other people 
Um, Twitter of time is the hashtag on, on, uh, on Twitter that people use a lot to talk about uh, real time. Um, I don't recommend my co-host Ian and Chris go and look at that stuff because there's going to be tons of spoilers there because they talk like everyone assume everybody's read it. So um, just for anybody else that has read the books that wants some more, there's, there's that as well. Um, we also do have a discord server. Um, uh, all three of us are on there right now. I finally fixed the link. It will be in the description for this next episode. So you guys will be able to click on that link um, and join, uh, get the invite to the discord server. It's kind of a cool way that you guys can interact with us. Um, there'll be certain channels that'll be blocked off depending on, uh, on levels of uh, membership. Um, but for the general chat, um, it's going to be open. It's just a different way for you to interact with us. Uh, we also do have that Patreon page I mentioned. That's also in the description as well. Um, and that's a way um, you get some of those access to different levels as well. And I know last episode I talked a little bit about the different tiers that there are there. So I just kind of wanted to take a brief moment just to talk about the different tiers and what you get out of them. And, um, and if you feel so inclined, like I said, to do a membership, um, you get some cool stuff. But also uh, um, uh, just uh, it helps support us get better recorded equipment um, and, and a lot of other things. So uh, just real fast, the different tiers. There's six different tiers. The first one just gets you access to a special channel on our Patreon. Also, we'll recognize any Patreons on any episode that joins on the next recorded one. It might be a week later than, you know, uh, delayed because of the way we record and release. Um, the second level, uh, we'll, we'll be doing some bonus content, some bonus episodes that are available only to our Patreons um, once we have those. Um, special Q&A sessions for the third tier. Uh, fourth tier, uh, we're going to try to tweak and do live recordings um, if you guys want to join at that level. So you can listen to us live and interact with us as we're recording. Um, and then the next two levels, the top tiers are, um, you know, we do an intro every, I, I do right now uh, for every single episode. But uh, if you guys want to, um, at that tier, let you guys do a recording, send it to me, and I'll put you guys actually in our podcast as recording. And the very, very top tier, um, I might actually add some more to this as well. If we ever get swag or, or start to do merchandise as well, it's something I've thought about, but I've got there yet. But for right now, um, if you guys want to join us, you know, maybe even co-host or join us on our podcast, um, uh, you know, uh, as select episodes, uh, we might uh, be able to work something out there. So, um, kind of a cool way for just to get more involved, to get more stuff out of us, um, and also help support us. Um, also, any any um, uh, you know, uh, service or platform you listen to this on, please like, subscribe, uh, review, um, share it. Um, it helps with uh, getting us out there to other people. Uh, when when you do that on the on that service, uh, helps go, move it up in the recommendations for other people looking for podcasts to listen to. So that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited just to interact with all all the people listening out there, and, uh, and hopefully everybody's enjoying this. Um, so that's about it. Um, anything else that you guys have to add before we just sign off? No, sir. Um, yeah, I can't believe I can't believe I said it looked like a bee stinger, and then he comes back with a dragon's claw. Way to one up me, man. <laughs> Talk about Rand looking at Karen and going, "Man, he's so smooth with the ladies." Well, yeah. You won that one, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like an ice cream cone. It's a dragon's claw. <laughs> Look, we have at least 10 years of this. You know, so. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, next week we'll be covering uh, uh, the next two chapters, chapter four and chapter five, which are the Gleeman and Winter Night. 
Um, uh, I can tell you a little spoiler. We will get some action now. So, uh, you know, this has been a lot of world, a lot of world building, um, you know, learning the characters, learning about this world, but uh, we'll finally start getting to some of the, some of the meat of the story. So I'm excited. I'm sure, I'm sure both Chris and Ian are both excited as well to, uh, to finally move past who are these characters and actually move into some story. So, um, yeah, um, I'm excited about it. And until uh, and next time, I, I just uh, uh, hope you guys are enjoying and uh, keep it up. Yeah, peace out. All right. Thank you for listening to the Real Reads Podcast. See you all next time.